And good day to all of those of you who are listening to the Live Peaceably podcast. We thank God for your presence. We thank God for your listening ear. And we are so glad that you've decided to carve out this space and time in your life to tune in with us to talk more about the practical side of living peacefully. And so today, of course, as per usual, I am here with my co-host, Miss Camille Lewis. Hi, everyone. I'm still here. They haven't fired me yet. <laughs> that's funny because I feel like I'm the one that's going to be fired. Like if anything happens, y'all going to kick me <laughs> off the podcast because I would honestly say that Camille has done such a marvelous job with not just communicating her thoughts, but also um, giving deep insight to the conversation. That was the reason why I approached you in this in the first place, because I knew you would. Is I knew it? you would. And I appreciate it so much. <laughs> I knew you would contribute a lot to the conversation and i'm really just glad that you are a part of this so thank you so much for your contribution to oh this well thank you for thank you for the invitation this is really your brainchild so i'm glad to hear that i'm doing it justice and helping bring your vision to life i'm so glad and i appreciate that um so if we could go to god in the word of prayer and we'll get started so let us together pray Our Lord and our God, we are eternally grateful for the fact that you not only give us the opportunity to know who you are, Father, but we thank you for the community that we have that we can discuss and we can fellowship and figure it out together, Lord. And we're asking that you bless us as we attempt to do that in this podcast. We're asking that you guide our steps, order our thoughts, Father, and we're asking that you lead us into the right dialogue and lead us into the spiritual places that will bless us with more understanding and more growth. Um, And so, Lord, we're asking that you bless us now as we talk about this, as we continue to learn and grow of you, that you lead us and keep us, Lord. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, So today we are talking about genuineness, I think is the right word that we can put everything in, uh, in, in, in the framework of. And being genuine, even though we talk about it very, very regularly in church settings as well as our social lives, it is so hard to be genuine at least from my perspective. And now before, mm-hmm. you know, we go, you know, too deep into that, I feel like, and I'll, and I'll chime in, please, because like when I talk about being genuine and being myself, usually it's met with, well, of course, what else would you be? But I've personally mm-hmm. found difficulties in being genuine, especially in a spiritual space. And so before I give my why, I want to know if you have had trouble showing up genuinely in any area of your life. Yes. Fantastic. Let's go. <laughs> well, I just now, needed to know I, I'd like to hear your, <laughs> No, the answer is yes, but I'm really interested in your why. Oh, bro, you did me like that. I was hoping you would I go did. into explanation. <laughs> wow. No. All right. I have a problem because I've always been taught that it's my responsibility to do right by people and make people's experience the best that it could possibly be. Um, so yeah. if they need some level of comfort or confidence or reassurance, then it's my job to offer that. Um, if they have an expectation, as I've mentioned before, like I've been doing ministry in some capacity, um, literally no exaggeration since I was about 13 years old. And mm-hmm. so even though I was a child, literally, I was expected to be a certain way, to do mm-hmm. certain things a certain way. And I heard not just then, but throughout my entire life and upbringing to this day, there are just certain things you are supposed to do with Mm -hmm. the position that you're in and not just in being a minister, but just in being a Christian, not just being a Christian, honestly, but in being a man, not just being a man, but being a black guy, there's just Mm -hmm. expectations that you're expected to meet. And if you don't meet the expectations that people have, people end up being disappointed 
And your job, you learn early, is to serve people. And if you don't know how to separate that whole serve people, but keep your distance and your boundaries and yourself, then you end up mixing the two. You know, you don't feel like you can be genuine in a lot of spaces because you feel like you have to be something for somebody or you feel like you have to put on, I wouldn't even say a facade, you just have to put on the right boots for the right locations. And so even though I saw those things as an act of service, they were hindrances to showing up genuinely. And so that's why I say it for myself. Um, because it's not just a church thing. It's just when you're brought through the world expecting for other people's perceptions to take precedent over who you really are, then you adjust to whoever the world is or whoever your social circle mm -hmm. is and so on and so forth. Um, so being genuine is, for me, at the core of that battle is just being able to look yourself in the mirror and say, this is who I am and this is who mm -hmm. I'm gonna show up as, no matter how it conflicts with the people that I'm around. So mm -hmm. that's my, my my reason for, for saying it. Yeah. Brother Preacher Man, I'm going to apologize to you now because um, you did not realize that that was gonna catapult me into my therapy bag, but this is where we are now. This is why you're so. here. <laughs> this is why you're here, talk. So. In fact, I'm going to turn off my mic for the remainder of the conversation. No, let's, let's, we're not, we're not, we're not going to do that because I need your active participation. Oh, okay, I got you. I got you. I'm here. Uh, yeah. So this experience that you're talking about, and I'm glad that you that you brought up expectations because I think that we started talking about it on a different episode, but didn't get too too deep into it. But when we have this whole conversation about whether or not we feel like we can show up genuinely. And even in what you're saying, it's almost saying I've not had permission to do so. And uh, because of that or because of the expectations that we feel like are placed on us from other people, not only is it difficult to show up genuinely, well, maybe part of the reason that it's hard to show up genuinely is because that really plays into our identity and kind of how we view ourselves. And so then we have a tendency of like internalizing the expectations that other people have put onto us. And it becomes a confusing process of even knowing, well, what would it even look like for me to show up genuinely? Or do I, does that just mean I have to show up in the ways that I'm expected to in these spaces? And what happens if I don't? What happens if I don't show up the way that other people are expecting me to? Then how will that affect me or my relationships? Or uh, will people will people accept another version of me that I'm showing up as? And then having all these different identity, identities that you mentioned, working in ministry, being a man, being a black man, being a black man in America, all that kind of stuff, is it just adds more and more layers um, to our ability to, number one, see ourselves, and then our ability to be able to bring that authentic, genuine version of ourself into yeah. any other spaces. You know, I know that we're talking about this in a spiritual sense, so I'm trying to keep it kind of confined there. But I think that if we're talking about showing up genuine, we have to just talk about it generally speaking, oh, because yeah. we we're still people and we bring all of the stuff, all of the really hard people stuff. We can't leave it at the door when we come into the church. And that's so, another aspect of it. I'm sorry, I don't mean to, to cut you off. No, go all, ahead. But like as you're saying it, because I wanted to like you know think about how this is affecting me spiritually 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 what it did mm -hmm. for me in a church and spiritual and ministerial context but i cannot divorce the other areas either because yeah. even when i step into a spiritual context there's expectations of a spiritual man 
there's mm-hmm. expectations of a spiritual black person you know mm-hmm. especially now with the conversations we've had socially it's just like can you show up genuinely as a black person knowing right. that the faith that you operate within has been abused by white supremacy and so on and Mm -hmm. so forth. It's just, there's so many elements to being genuine in a spiritual context that you can't ignore the personal Mm -hmm. aspect of it. And I don't even like playing the, the, um, the, 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 um, the, the woe is me card because that's not the angle that I'm, you know, coming from. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's not like, Oh, it's so hard to do this or be this thing. It's just, you have to figure out what the expectations are for who you are and whether or not you want to meet them. It's like, that's the barrier that that I was mm. facing too. It's like and I'm not I'm not changing trajectory or anything. I really want you to pick up exactly where you left off. It's <laughs> <laughs> so just like what you were saying was was really helping me think. So please continue mm-hmm. proceed. Well, I think that the 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 short answer to how can we show up genuinely? The short answer is that you have to be comfortable with who you are uh, at your core first before you feel comfortable enough to show it to anybody else. And when we really start to dig about what are some of the things that keep us from being able to do that in other spaces, yes, it does have to do with expectations that other people are putting on us and whether or not we feel comfortable or safe there, but a lot of it has to do with are you comfortable and familiar uh, and confident with who you are as a person? Have, have Have you even allowed yourself to see that or to get familiar with that? Or has your um, perception of yourself been shaped by other people's perceptions of you and other people's expectations of you? So then if that's the case, then we can't show up genuinely because we need other people to tell us how to show up. So if you're waiting for someone else to tell you how you're supposed to show up here, then you just kind of, you're stuck until then. So there's a lot of kind of moving parts into this. So it's like, you have to know you have to know who you are first at your core, in your most, in your rawest, you know, most genuine, authentic form. Not only do you have to know that, but you have to be accepting of who you are there. And you have to be comfortable enough with that uh, and secure enough, maybe. That's the word I'm looking for, secure enough in that, in that identity to be able to bring it with you wherever you go. And if you are not, then I think the expectation that others place on you plays a much larger role in how you're able to move and navigate because the expectations of others will inform how how you show up and what version of you shows up. But if you have that really kind of security in who you are, then other people are always going to have thoughts and expectations and perceptions about who they feel like you should be. But if I'm, you know, kind of secure uh, and, and comfortable with who I am, then I can take or leave an expectation that someone else has. I get to decide if that's something that I feel like is aligned with who I am or not. And a lot of times those of us who have grown up in church and in church settings maybe didn't really have that opportunity to decide if we felt like the expectations that were being placed on us were aligned with who we who we were who we are who we're growing to be or 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 wanting to be Uh, and so then we get to this point in our spiritual journey and we've you know kind of grown up in the church and yes of course it has helped to shape who we are as as it should you know a big part of of who I am is to find my 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 faith and my spirituality and you know we're we're made in his image and, and all of that but beyond that thinking about like church culture and all of that and we have recently been talking about relationships within the church and the expectations that are placed on us not by God but by other people in the church what role has that played 
in your development of your own identity and in your ability to show up as genuine. I am right here taking notes like we're literally in a fair possession. <laughs> like I've written down like three questions and like two because everything that you're saying is frames I think so perfectly and I really want to um like highlight what you said about, you know, being confident in your in in, in knowing who you are, being being um, confident in yourself enough to to show up that way. And like yeah. until you talked through it, I didn't really realize that there was a bridge that has to be crossed there because mm-hmm. you can be okay with yourself privately, but you aren't confident enough to take that personality on the road, you right. know, and that is a barrier that I didn't even see coming really. It's like mm-hmm. in behind closed doors, it's like, I know who I am. I know the kind of weirdo I am, you know, just using the words, but it's like mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if you feel like somebody comes in the room and you have to stop being that person. How young are we when we realize that that's who we have to be, you know, or that's what we have to do? At what stage do we really develop that personality? Because it without question shows up in church settings. But I wouldn't Mm -hmm. say that it starts in church settings. I would just say that we, you know, we figure it out how to do it as as individuals, as people learning the world. But when we bring that spirit into the church context, it affects what the nature of the church is, because we're supposed to be in like really genuine, open community. I, of course, go through scriptures a lot about what a church community is supposed to look like, what we as mm-hmm. believers are supposed to be for one another. And we have really, really big responsibilities towards one another. Like we are supposed to bear one another's burdens. We're supposed to confess our faults to one another. We're supposed to, um, you know, aid one another when we're at our absolute lowest in life, we're supposed to not only be understanding enough to be receptive to other people's struggles, but also forgiving and gracious enough to walk them through as they're trying to heal. And that level of genuineness only comes when you have genuine people. And it's Mm -hmm. really, really, really difficult to be what the church is even supposed to be if there's that barrier of not feeling comfortable being genuine around the people that are um, supposed mm-hmm. to be spiritually accountable to you and you're supposed to be spiritually accountable for um mm-hmm. uh and in your in 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 everything that you were saying i wanted to also um to also highlight um the expectations element because you brought up yeah. like meeting other people's expectations and i if you would i would like you to go further into that as well about how we deal with Specifically, I guess church expectations, since you know that we're we're here in a spiritual sense, um, and mm-hmm. talking about that context, uh, what, how, how have you noticed the way expectations in a church context play a role in how you design your own life? Like this is who mm-hmm. we expect Camille to be, so you yeah. receive that and you say, okay, this is how Camille is supposed to be. Like you know how how was that? Yeah, been for you. Um. That's, mm, that's been pretty interesting for me because not, not only did I um, grow up in the church, but um, my my family, uh, my family makes up a, a big part of the um, of the leadership at my home congregation, and so growing up in that setting with um, everybody knowing, I mean not just knowing who like my parents and grandparents and uncles and aunties are, but like everybody also having personal relationships with them. Mm. And um, my 
my parents also grew up in that same home congregation. So now they're like generations of my family who has grown up in that congregation and has stepped into leadership roles and, you know, has, uh, have, have really been very active in, um, pretty much every ministry that, that exists in our congregation. So the expectation that was placed on me as, um, a, the preacher's grandchild, uh, was, I think to uh, to to show up in a certain way, um, or it was to present in a certain way, um, and I don't know. Uh, like I I always I didn't get into a whole lot of trouble as a kid. I think that just wasn't really who I was. So maybe some of that expectation was was easy for me, but that was definitely the expectation was that we're well behaved and that we um, are at every you know event and that we're active participants in class and that we you know aren't really too far out of line and that we're like representatives of not only the church but of the family as well um and there kind of maybe was a bit of a sense of uh of a like archetype maybe that um i felt was was projected onto me um and so i guess hmm Think, I guess I never thought about whether that kind of informed or uh, the extent to which that shaped my own kind of personal development and, and identity. Um, but I don't know. I, I do feel like some of that ended up being aligned with, with who I was. But I guess I don't know if it's if it's be- because of those expectations that, that I developed it, or that parts of me developed into into who they are. But I, I, I will say that as I have grown and gotten older and have had, you know, I, I lived out of state for a while, I went to school out of state. So that means I was going to church somewhere else, like far away from the congregation that I grew up in, <laughs> that my whole family grew up in. <laughs> That's why so, you had to leave the state. You had to get away from the, 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 the know, legion that, of family. I, I, I didn't think about that. That wasn't a part of my decision making, but I loved that, like secretly sure. really loved going into a church building and being able to just like sit there and be another, you know, member and um, not have everybody know me and everything about me and my family, you know, Um, and I I think, I think because of that, like when I was young and growing up and because I knew like everybody know everything, everybody knows all of our business or like, however, like what, I don't know, maybe it just felt like people were paying attention to me a lot more than I was asking for them to. So because of that, mm-hmm. it was like, I feel like I always, I had I always be good. I always had to be good sure. because if I wasn't, then they were going to go to my parents and be like, what's wrong with her? Like they weren't. And maybe this is, you know, part of the conversation I need to be having. I don't think they would have come up to me and been like, Hey, are you okay? Like, do you need, it would have mm-hmm. been to my parents and my parents would have come to me and you know, whatever, whatever else would have, would have come with that. But I think that put a certain amount of pressure because it was always like, well, I don't want it to look like anybody else in my family is not doing their job if I'm not okay. So maybe that I felt like I always had to be okay. Or at church, I always had to be okay. I knew I had to, I, I was going to be dressed to the, you know, to the nines and I'm going to show up and I'm, and I'm singing loud and I'm in class and I'm answering questions and I'm, you know, all of that, all that kind of stuff, because that was what was expected of me. Well, now that you're here, I mean, we might as well <laughs> tap into it. Sure. 
having to live out other people's expectations. Of course, mm-hmm. you know, as you just mentioned, um, you didn't necessarily know how much of your life was designed after yourself versus what people expected of you, which is right. fair. I mean, we're we're all raised. I think it's fair for mm-hmm. us to say that we're raised. And it's like, I think, especially with the way that our, our society is gearing community and parenting now, um, mm-hmm. we're kind of taking the emphasis off of parents raising their children or a community raising their children and putting it more so on letting the children figure it out on their own. Mm-hmm. and like taking a less hands-off meaning like I'm just kind of here to make sure that you're safe and that you eat you know it's mm-hmm. like as far as life you know we want you to figure it out but for a lot of us especially if you were young and, and grew up in a black church with conservative black parents oh, yeah. you were raised oh, yeah. and you weren't just raised mm-hmm. by your parents you were raised by your community and so mm-hmm. when I went to church I already knew that my mother wasn't the only one that was on my head I knew that the mm-hmm. preacher was on my head I knew that the other brothers were on my head I knew that the other mothers at the church were on my head and so if mm-hmm. anybody caught me doing anything anywhere somebody was going to call me out on it and mm-hmm. so it's like when you live in that space, it's like you're thankful mm-hmm. that you have that around you. You know, even if you don't appreciate it till later, it's good that you have that community around you. But at the same time, when you're into something like faith that requires a genuine personal development or developed relationship that only you can develop, you realize that a lot of it isn't about how other people raise you, but rather how you process how you're being raised. If that, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I think so. Mm-hmm. It's like if, if, if I feel like the expectation of me is to follow what my parents say and that mm-hmm. shapes my faith, then my adult faith is going to be a response to that. Mm-hmm. You know, and so now as an adult, I'm because it's honestly it's why a lot of people grow up legacy in their faith traditions. It's because mm-hmm. it's not because like I was walking down a dirt road one day and Jesus hit me upside the head and said, hey. This church right here, mm-hmm. it's because my mom was there, my dad was there, my grandparents mm-hmm. were there, my great grandparents, and that's how a lot of us, you know, and so as we become adults, we recognize that. And we recognize that this was a part of how I was raised. But at some point, it's like, okay, this is how I was raised, but now I'm confused about who I am really hmm. and what I believe really. Now, that's not to say that we aren't genuinely who we're raised to be. But at the same time, we are required now to ask questions about how we've processed the upbringing that we've had. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think so. And I think that everybody gets to a point where uh, we have to take a certain ownership over our spiritual life and our spiritual walk. And um, where we get to say, well, was I just going to church because that's what we did on Sundays and that's what my parents expected of me? Or... Was it because it was truly what I wanted to be doing and because I'm developing this relationship with God and because my faith is growing and, you know, and I think going to college really proved that um, or really kind of was was when maybe I uh, I had that experience because I was so far away. Wouldn't nobody know if I was going to church or not? Nobody yeah. would know if I was going to church or not. And it wouldn't be, you know, no skin off of nobody's back, you know? Yeah. But. Um, and it feels so good. <laughs> it, you know, it. It, it did, it did, but I still went to church every Sunday. And yeah. I, that, it just, it was never a question for me. And part of it was because, oh, it's Sunday. That's what you do on Sunday. What do you mean? You know, it's Sunday. That's what Sundays are. That's what you do on Sundays. But also, yeah. I visited a few different congregations and found, you know, the one that I felt the most comfortable at or the one that I felt like really nurtured my uh, my, my spirituality more and there's my faith more. And it was like really kind of on me about, well, you know, you're going to go to church, but like, what else are you just going to go and show up or, 
do you want to be an active participant? And do you want to continue to grow spiritually? And do you want this to be a part of, of your life in this season or in this transition? And um, so I, I think it did, it became more intentional. It, that's so interesting. It became more intentional for me when there were less eyes on me about it. For sure. Because when yeah. there were more eyes, it was like, well, everybody watching. So let me just, all right, here, I'm here. Because I know that y'all are looking. I know that y'all are watching. So I'm here. But when there were less eyes, matter of fact, there were people that were like, what? Because, okay, it's college. So, like, on Saturday, I'm not in bed by 8 o'clock on Saturday night. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not in bed at, at a reasonable time. <laughs> For whatever reason. We don't have to get into all that. I'm sorry. But I'm still, I'm still getting up and I'm going to church. And so the... The eyes that saw me doing that were confused about it and were like, girl, what? Like, you know, you don't have to. Like, it's okay. We understand that you're tired. Like, everybody else is sleeping in. And I'm like, oh, not like that would feel weird to me. So I'm going to I'm gonna sure. go ahead and get up and I'm going to go to church. You know, so the less, I don't, yeah, there were less eyes on me or there were less expectant eyes on me. And so that made me um, much more intentional and have much more ownership over my faith. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I feel like there's a niche of people that know what it's like to be church faithful growing up and mm -hmm. like not just church faithful, but congregation or location faithful mm -hmm. to where when you get on your own, you're still going to church because that was exactly it for me. Like when I was mm -hmm. on my own, it's like, I, I mean, of course I was also a ministerial student, but I had never had <laughs> the life, <laughs> I had never had the space to decide like, oh, I don't have to wake up and go to this place. Like right. just knowing that I was going to go somewhere, but trying to figure out what I was going to do or where I was going to go was a level of freedom that I wasn't familiar mm -hmm. with. And so now I was like, oh, you mean I get to go to the place that has the great ministries or I get to go to the place that has a preacher that, you know, can speak differently and I don't have to go back there every Sunday. I can switch it up every now and then. Like that was mm -hmm. my form of liberation. It's just like I can, you know. Uh, go to one place on Sunday morning and maybe go to a different place Sunday night if I want to, you know, switch it up a little bit. Like that level of freedom was really mm -hmm. big when it wasn't me deciding whether or not I was going to go to church, but how I was going to, you know, step into the next phase of ministry in my life or the next phase of God in yeah. my life. You know, I really learned about what I gravitated towards as far as preaching is concerned. Because, like, when you grow up in one church and you're used to one style of preaching and then you realize that you as an individual have different interests that or you have a different way of you like the word being broken down to. And then you actually have the opportunity to choose. You learn so much more about yourself and about mm -hmm. what end of spirituality you gravitate towards. Because you can go down mm -hmm. the street to the traditional preacher or you can go down the street to the other end to the more uh, to, to the um the more liberal preacher, I guess we'll just say, but um, mm -hmm. whatever it is, like having the space to make that decision about how you're going to manage your faith is a huge, huge deal that a lot of us are still trying to work out because a lot of mm -hmm. us, we, we got free and we didn't manage our faith. We just gave up on it because it was like, ah, freedom. But yeah. for others, it was just like, no, I'm still a part of this and this is still who I am. But the question is, how would I do it? Right. Right. And it's it's so interesting as I'm thinking back on my experiences and yeah, some of this is expectations from others, but some of this I'm sure was my own, you know, kind of stuff. But it was easier for me to show up in a bad mood with people who didn't know me, people who didn't know me since I was a child, Ooh. you know. Um, and so yeah. this is why I'm like, I don't know if this is because of them or if it was because of me, you know, like, sure, there was some expectation, but a lot of these expectations that I that I felt 
were not explicitly stated. There was no rule book that was given to me. You know, a lot of it was what you felt or what you saw or, you know, the way that people said certain things or the way, you know, so, um, I kind of extrapolated those expectations and, you know, took, took them on. But when I was in other places where people didn't really know me, um, I, and it, and I could just, you know, I could come in a couple minutes late and sit in the back and still, you know, worship and kind of like quietly just get what I needed from service. And then I could, I could dip out if I wanted to, or I could talk to a couple people if I wanted to, but like there were some days where I, I wasn't feeling great, but I knew that because church is where I go, you know, when I, when I need something and when I, you know, when I'm not feeling great, that's, that's where I go to kind of get that, that rejuvenation. So it was still beneficial for me. And I knew that, you know, at that point, my, my faith was playing that role for me. So it was important for me to be in the house of the Lord. But, um, I guess I didn't feel as much pressure to present in a certain way in the house of the Lord. So it was easier for me to have to have a bad day. Um, and to like, not feel like I had to look like I was in a good mood because I knew it wasn't gonna get back to my mama and them and I knew that I wasn't gonna have my whole entire family asking what was wrong with me. Boom, showing up genuinely. <laughs> wow. So, but I, I don't know. But even even in thinking about that, it's like, well, I, I don't know if that was other people or, or if that was was me, right? And me really feeling a sense of responsibility because of um, the the way that I grew up in the way, you know, that I was kind of raised and all of that. And I think that that's an important part here because we're talking about like how expectations, you know, um, inform our abilities to be like genuine and authentic. But we also have to ask ourselves, is this an expectation that someone else is putting on me or is this an expectation that I'm internalizing? And if no one has said, hey, this is what we expect of you, then where is that expectation truly coming from? And so as I'm kind of, you know, thinking back through my own experiences, I'm having to be really honest about the fact that like, maybe I could have shown up at my home congregation in, in, a, in a bad mood. If these are really people that I believed loved me, then maybe I, I should have been able to, to do that. And so it's really kind of asking a lot of other kinds of questions. Well, why is it? Is it, is it because I also felt like they weren't being genuine so they didn't really want to see it or... Was it because I felt like, you know, I got a different reaction from people when I was happy versus when I wasn't happy? Like, where are these expectations truly coming from? And a lot of the times we have created them or, or we'll say things like, I already know if I say this and they're just going to feel like this and they're just going to go and we like, we have these predictions and we feel like we already know what the other person is going to say or think or do. So let me just go ahead and put this mask on real quick because I don't even want to... And sometimes we're not giving other people a chance to show up genuinely for us. So it's like somebody has to be the first one to just be honest. <laughs> um, hmm. Now, hmm. <laughs> uh, so when it, I've got a thought, I'm just trying to word it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, when yeah, it comes it to being genuine, yeah, and showing up based off of you know your own uh wherever you are what your own mood or your own your own uh temperament whatever it is um and you realize that a lot of it is what a lot of it is self-imposed yeah um i agree with that and i believe that 100 in fact it's really really scary to see how much of our conflict is self-imposed um how much we do to ourselves 
But, mm-hmm. but at the same time, because I, I, I think about that a lot, like trying to figure out if I'm doing this to myself or if this is really something that's expected of me. Because truth be told, not just in church settings, but in any communal setting, there are expectations about the culture that go unstated. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that I think I, I take not issue with, but I want to be cautious of because it's very easy to be gaslit in that same area. Like, if you say, like, to somebody, man, I don't feel like I can show up genuinely, and they say, what you mean? Nobody told you you couldn't show up genuinely. It's like, Mm -hmm. well, yeah, I guess you're right. Nobody's told me that. But I've seen the way you talk about people who say what's on their heart. Mm, Yeah. You know, so it's like, at one point, it's like, I want to take full accountability, because that's the first thing that we have to do, is take full accountability. If there's an area that you haven't shown up in because it's an insecurity for you, then you have to acknowledge that, that this is just Mm -hmm. something that I'm dealing with. But at the same time, if you know that you're in a space where you're not being received, or you know Mm -hmm. that there's something genuine on your heart that's not being heard, or you know it's being treated a certain way, well then that's an issue, because then you can be gaslit all day by people that say there's nothing wrong here, but you see the actions and the behaviors. And that's really genuinely how we learn what space we wanna be genuine in. It's not by what Mm -hmm. people say, it's by the experience that we have in that context. So it's like Mm -hmm. if I were on a podcast and you know, we were saying, you know, we're here to uplift women and we're here to, you know, speak well about the, 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 um, the 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 um the 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 female dynamic or whatever it is and we get on and we're just talking about all the things that women do that we don't like it's like mm-hmm. and then i call us out on and it's like nah we're here to uplift this is positive it's like nah bro it's like you know you can you, no matter how much you try to get me on a technicality the context and the environment is ultimately going to tell me whether or not this is a place where I can be genuine. And as I get older, I'm realizing how important that is for a church setting because people see right through your platitudes and cliches when they're just platitudes and cliches. Because you can tell them all day long, we treat everybody fairly here. I think it's the reason why a lot of the churches have the reputation that they have. It's because we go with that whole, oh, we know that everybody sins. Yeah, you say you know everybody sins, but you're not gracious. It's like you say you know it as fact, but you're not in a place where you're actually treating my sin with the patience that it needs in order to be dealt with because you're just going to tell me to get over it and it's not welcome here. And so as much as you tell me that you can be who you are, you can be honest with us, it's what I'm doing and it's what we're doing collectively as a community that tells me whether or not I can really show up here and be myself. And it's like, Mm -hmm. that's the element that I really wish we could have more conversations about because that's what's been missing is the conversation about being honest about, you know, what what vibe we give give off as a congregation. And truthfully, a lot of churches, since we're just in that in that in that in that in that lane, um, a lot of churches are, are aren't willing to necessarily have that conversation, not just about that, but about a whole lot of things, because the mm-hmm. technicality will get you every time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we can talk all day about what the church is and we can say how we are that, but you know, we know. We know. Yeah. Yeah. I think we need to start saying that we are trying to be that or that we are. I think, yeah, we just need to be a bit more honest about about where we are first. Sure. Like we need to know that the, the, the starting point is still a ways off from the finish line or from or from the goal. And a lot of those things that, that you're mentioning, you know, like seeing how people are, are treated when they do kind of um, speak their mind or show up and all that. I think that's why. I 
as as a as a person as a human right i i feel like i need an an invitation to really kind of be open with people uh and in spaces and in relationships i feel like i need an invitation because otherwise yeah. it feels like you're uninterested and that's going to feel like a rejection to me so i need an invitation i need someone for sure to you know and so that makes it that makes it difficult sometimes because it's like oh well i want these these genuine you know these kind of connections but and that's something that i'm you know i'm, I'm working through it you know I'm, I'm working through it but uh I, if if i feel that way i i can't i can't be the only one and so in addition to leading by example or maybe leading by example is the way to extend that invitation to other people because if we're just saying yeah you can you can be yourself here and like we're very this and we're very that like the actions really have to line up with the words um and in the, this is a perfect case of where like the the actions actually need to speak much louder than Absolutely. the words because unfortunately the church has got a reputation of being hypocritical and so the words really don't mean very much these days, especially I think to some of the younger generations and to our generation even, it's like, we've been hearing these words for a long time, but things really kind of feel the same still. So I think that we need more of an active invitation. And in order to do that, we have to lead with the vulnerability in order to um, create the space to invite and be receptive to vulnerability. I'm 100%. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I really like this conversation. I'm re- I appreciate the subject matter. Um, yeah. Because I, I feel like on some level, even if you aren't asking yourself these questions, they're a part of your reality no matter what space you're trying to operate in. Um, mm-hmm. Because I feel like the same thing is happening in the workplace. Because even as a spiritual person, showing up genuinely is more than just showing up to the church building authentically. It's like if you have an authenticity to your faith or a genuineness to your faith, It's like you now have to see that whatever your faith is, whatever your belief system is, like you mentioned, it has to travel with you. Mm -hmm. It has to go wherever you go. And if you ironically, ironically, a lot of people feel like church is the place where they cannot genuinely express their faith because Mm -hmm. it differs from what's going on there. But Mm -hmm. I can go around my friend group. I can go around my hobbies and I can go around my workplace because ironically, those people are more tolerant of my lifestyle than than they are at the church house. And so even though I know there's different purposes and different dynamics and there's some validity and there's some, you know, um, nuance that needs to be made clear in the statement. But there's still a level of at this place, at this house of God, I should be able to lay myself at the feet of other believers and know that they're going to treat me with more grace than anybody else in the world would. It's mm-hmm. like to know that that should be the expectation is, 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 I mean, it's like that, that breaks the question, like, goodness, how far do we have to go? But at the same time, um, God, I was going to mention uh, something a, a minute ago about what you were saying. Uh, uh, when it comes to us having been raised as you and I specifically in a church mm-hmm. setting where like, that's our backdrop. Like we can remember yeah. back as far as we live church, the experience of church was normal. And so mm-hmm. for us, like you're going to have to convince us to do something other than church for right. other people. You're going to have to convince them to do <laughs> something church. other than what they're doing so that they would come to church and yeah. so, like, for me, it's like, well, of course, I naturally go to church. Like you were saying, when you went to college, like, even though you got to mm-hmm. choose the church, it was still, you know, weird to not go 
It's like mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how late I am on Saturday. I'm I am built to mm-hmm. wake up on Sunday morning and be at that place. I'm built for mm-hmm. that. And so now it's just like for the people because I've now in my adult years I've experienced the other side of that too where it's like you know what I can wake up today and I don't have to go ain't nobody forcing me to go ain't nobody forcing mm-hmm. me to do anything nobody's forcing me to teach this class and I've also seen my spiritual negligence like I've mm-hmm. entered into spaces where I was just like you know what I don't have to so I won't Mm-hmm. but that led me to another place in my spiritual growth where I was like you know what I don't have to I won't but now my soul needs it and yeah. so as difficult as it was to get to that place where I had to acknowledge like you know what I'm I'm just choosing to do what I want to do I would honestly venture to say that I I had to do that to some degree mm-hmm. of course I wouldn't advise you know just people just completely abandon it but I would say that you should lean on your decision making um, as an individual and find God or your relationship with or in community with church through genuine assessment of who you are mm-hmm. as an individual rather than just habit. Use mm-hmm. habit, you know, to get you to a place where um where uh you're in the right context and you're in the place mm-hmm. where you're being nurtured and fed spiritually. But use your wisdom and your discernment to determine if you're walking into a place that's going to nourish you. Or if you're walking into a place because you're familiar with going there, because like mm-hmm. that's something I talk about Northside all, at Northside all the time. Like I, I just I put that on our heads all the time. <laughs> just and I know we sick of it, but it's just like you can show up to worship, you can show up to church, and nothing about it is genuine. It's just like mm-hmm. it's cliche to say, but it's like God, God, God sees that. He mm-hmm. He sees when you're not genuine, and so when we're living off the expectations of others we don't often see that we're rejecting the requirement of God. Mm-hmm. And God is essentially the kind of God that says, listen, I'm not your parents. If you don't want to be here, right? I ain't going to make you come. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Or maybe we're rejecting the expectation of God. Maybe we're leaning heavier on the expectations of other people than the yeah. expectations of God. I like that angle a lot. Yeah. Because... I mean, he does have expectations of us. Without question. But um, some of the pressure that we've felt to have to be a certain way and to have to put on, you know, this mask and to always be okay, that don't come from God. So in this whole question of like, what role does expectation play? Well, whose expectation, first of all? And if you do that kind of personal assessment and find that um, maybe we haven't, been placing the importance on the right expectation, then we need to shift some things and rearrange some things. I wish we had like a uh, an applause button on this podcast just to <laughs> yeah, respond because that's who's expectation. Because honestly, there's there 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 are moments when there's conflict in whose expectations mm-hmm. you're following. Like because if God expects you to show up genuinely and to Mm -hmm. assess your heart and Mm -hmm. you instead choose to follow the expectations of Mm -hmm. the community or the norm. Yeah. Of people. It's like Mm -hmm. you, you in trying to be spiritual or Christian or religious or holy are completely abandoning what God is looking for you to do in the first place. Because, you know, honestly, if we're being completely honest, God's approval is quiet. When mm. God is happy with us, we don't mm-hmm. see it. You know, mm. if we, if we make a right, a good spiritual decision, like the heavens don't open up, like 
Right. You know, it's like right. we don't get that approval from God. We don't get that validation. We yeah. don't get that this is the right thing to do from God in a direct, audible, relational, intimate sense. But yeah. we do from other people. Mm-hmm. And so when other people start applauding you, it's like, oh, okay, I'm doing the right thing. And mm-hmm. then it's just like, well, these expectations are giving me immediate feedback and they're telling me I'm on the right path, which is essentially what I wanted. And now mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out how to live with the expectations of God, even if it upsets people. And that's a big transition we yeah. have to make. Is that sometimes That's, that's a hard that, one. It, yeah, yeah. That's a hard one because we're talking about like internal versus external validation. And so many of us seek external validation and validation from other people um and that i mean that's always going to feel good right getting a pat on the back is always going to feel good but is that what you're chasing is that what you need is that what you're looking for if so then it's going to inform your decisions and the way that you show up and the way that you move and because god doesn't really give us a pat on the back like that then we have to look for or um be able to i guess receive different types of internal validation from God, I think. Um, or, you know, that's, that's where we have to get strong in our, in our faith. Um, and it's, it's, it's tough, right? Because it's like, you shouldn't need validation from other people or you shouldn't want, listen, we're not going to sit here and pretend like it don't feel good when somebody says you're doing a good job. That's mm-hmm. always going to feel good. For sure. Um, yes. But is that what your relationship is based on? Is that what your relationship with that person is based on? Is that what your relationships in general are based on? So it's it's a little bit deeper than just because, I mean, I love getting compliments, you know, I love people telling me that I'm doing good and all that, you know, like, sure. But is it something that I want because I like it and it feels and, I, and it feels good? Or is it something that I feel like I need because otherwise I don't know who I am. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. Yeah. Those are oh, two God, very different so things. Hard. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think, yeah, and, and it's like when you, especially when I work with other brothers and they're just like, their personality is more so like, if they get a compliment about something, it's like what you're supposed to do is say glory to God is what you're supposed to do. Mm. It's like, it, 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 this ain't about me. It's like, bruh, it feels good to be complimented. Just like it's It okay. does. And sometimes it's just, yeah, and there's a big conflict, at least from my angle and from my experience, there's this, there's a big internal and personal conflict with being okay or enjoying validation. Because mm-hmm. honestly, especially when you're, you're the premise of your faith is to be humble, you know, you feel a certain mm-hmm. type of way about about the way you receive validation because it's just like, oh, yeah, thank you for saying that. But I don't do it for the accolades. It's just like mm-hmm. if you internally deny the validation that you receive and Lord have mercy, I'm talking to myself. If you deny the validation mm-hmm. that you receive, then you'll end up constantly being empty unless you're filled with something. And even mm-hmm. if you know that God is pleased with what you do, having community is a very, very, very significant part of what God had planned for your life. Like it wasn't just supposed to be this whole me and God and nobody else conversation. So when we talk about how we edify, it's like how much of the Bible is edify one another, love one another, encourage one another, Mm -hmm. inspire one another to do good works, provoke one another to do good works. All those things are part of our community. You can't even love God unless you love people. And so it's like there's this constant Mm -hmm. always consideration of like, how am I best serving people or how am I fitting in or adequately being aff- affirmed by um, by other believers? And so it's like, I can't completely divorce that, even though I'm trying to say, you know, it's all for the approval of God. I can't divorce the fact that the people I serve like the way that I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. 
And so yeah. like finding that bridge, it's just like kind of like, okay, I love that you love it. But at the end of the day, if you don't love it, I still got to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. And a lot of the times, like the reason that it's hard for us to accept compliments is because we don't believe them about ourselves. And that's such an interesting, like, it's a conundrum because we seek the validation of other people, but then when we get the validation, we reject it. And it's because we, it, it doesn't, <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, that's truly how it happens. Yeah. And so then because we reject it, it doesn't truly penetrate and we don't like internalize it. And so then it doesn't help us feel better about ourselves. So, and because we don't feel good about ourselves, then we're continuing to seek the validation from other people. But every time they give it to us, then we reject it. And it's just, come on, it is a vicious <laughs> cycle. And I think that as, as believers, we need to know that if someone sees something that they, that they like about me, they're seeing God because God put that in me wow. and because I made in his image. And so is that the part that we're not believing? Are we not believing that God blessed us in this way or gave us this gift or gave us this talent? And so we can't believe that other people see anything good in us because there isn't anything good in us. What are you actually saying? If you, if you feel like there's, you have nothing to offer. Wow, God yeah. didn't, he didn't make no mistakes here. He didn't make oh, no God. mistakes with you. He didn't make no mistakes with me. So we, I think it's sometimes it's how we frame it and framing it like that, I think makes it easier to accept the accolades because we can say, well, they're not just complimenting me. They're complimenting what God is doing through me or what God has blessed me with or what he has given me. You have knocked down the door to where I am right now. Mm. That's just, you just punched a hole through it. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, because that's exactly it's like you, you, you genuinely have to ask yourself, like, do you believe that that God's fingerprint is on you as you are? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. as an individual, do you genuinely believe that God is approving of who you are? Not everything mm -hmm. you do, per se, because I feel like that's where it gets right. messy. Because then we start asking, yeah. well, no, I make mistakes. It's like, that's the, it's not what we're asking. It's like, you as mm -hmm. what you have to contribute to the world, what you have to contribute to the church, what you have to yeah. contribute to other people, um, and what your life is about. Like, like, do you genuinely believe that God made you in your uniqueness? And honestly, it really transformed me when I realized it's like, yes. And I would be disrespectful to God if I didn't live in the fullness of my experiences. Because, you know, mm -hmm. I have, I'm the only person that has the full set of my experiences. I'm the mm -hmm. only person that has the family that I have, that has the background that I have, that has the schooling that I have, that has the uh, relationships that I've had. Nobody else has those. And so if I don't right. live in the fullness of all of those experiences, then I'm disrespecting the context that God put me mm -hmm. in. And it's mm -hmm. like knowing that allows me to realize, like, I have nobody to be, you know, to, to, to um, that, that, I, that I'm um, obligated to other than myself and my own experiences and whoever connects with those that's wonderful because they're going to see me in the fullness of my genuineness because if you mm -hmm. connect with it you get to see me for who i am but if i spend all of my energy trying to fit a mold then honestly and the scariest part of it all is that i'm never going to make the mark that god has uniquely put in me mm, and that yeah. has trend that 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 for me it trumped the need for appro getting approval from other people because now I'm more concerned with like God put a fingerprint on me specifically mm -hmm. and I have to live in that fingerprint even if I don't have an audience. Because like yeah. in ministry, you know what people respond to and what people don't. You know what right. sermons they're going to amen with and what sermons they not. <laughs> and so, right. yeah, when it comes to that, you learn really quickly what people are going to approve of you. And you learn that if you say certain things, it's going to rub them the wrong way. 
But if you understand that what you say is an aspect of who God has made you and it's wisdom that God has bestowed upon you, then you change your temperament and you realize that, listen, you might come with me on this. You might not come with me on this, but please understand that God is doing something in me that may be different from what he's doing in you. But that doesn't mm -hmm. mean that we cannot occupy the same space. And I've had to yeah. learn that in ministry, especially because working with people, you expect them to have the same perspectives. You expect them to have the same mindset. You expect them to have the same approach. And it's just like we try to make cookie cutters of ourselves so frequently that we don't know how to give people the space to be individuals, yet be in common fellowship and communion. And that's a real big yeah. challenge for a lot of people, because now it's just like, uh, especially in churches, because like and, and being in ministry, just like to, to I don't know if like anybody, everybody else sees it. But it's like among other churches, especially within our fellowship, because, you know, the churches of Christ, we're not like the Baptist church or the Presbyterian church where we have a central headquarters somewhere or the Mormon right. church where, you know, we're getting our doctrine from somewhere, um, mm -hmm. you know, at the center. Um, you know, some people would argue uh, at one point it was Southwestern's lectureships, <laughs> but <laughs> which made sense. But like, you know, when you have to be autonomous, you really are at a church where, you know, you're 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 figuring out who you are as an individual congregation. But at the same time, the expectation is you don't do things. You don't go rogue. You do things like the preacher before you did them. You know, mm -hmm. you do things like the other preachers in the brotherhood are doing them because we're mm -hmm. supposed to do the same thing, think the same thing, talk the same way, act the same way, have the same process of worship, have the same behavioral patterns, have the same mm -hmm. responses towards the music, have the same styles of music and all these things, because we're trying to streamline them, they they completely interfere with the genuineness that's supposed to happen yeah. among specific people groups because cultures are different. You know, some mm -hmm. people see and you see that there are some churches that sing with 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 a full, you know, 10 person praise and worship team. And there's some churches that will never go past one song leader. And there's mm -hmm. other churches that don't even have a song leader. They just sing from the audience. I've been to churches like that. Have you been to churches like that? No. It's wild. They don't stand before the church. Somebody in the audience starts singing with the songbook, the appointed person, and then the whole church starts singing. Nobody's on stage oh, while wow. they're singing. It's yeah. But like they function differently. And so when the mm -hmm. expectation is we all have to be cookie cutters of one another, then you don't necessarily see that you're cutting off a lot of what makes people individuals mm -hmm. and the genuineness that can be a part of your fellowship. Yeah. The word that keeps coming to mind for me is acceptance acceptance of others and acceptance of self. I think those two things are just really, really integral in uh, the development of genuine relationships within a church setting. We have to be accepting of other people as, as they are. Um, and we have to be accepting of ourselves and who we are in order to feel comfortable enough going into any space uh, with with a genuine spirit and with, with authenticity. And the tough thing is that those things kind of have to happen simultaneously. And maybe it's as yeah. you learn to accept yourself, you also learn to accept others, or it's easier for you to accept other people if you are able to accept yourself in True. your genuine form. So we cannot skip the personal growth that has to happen in order for us to make room for genuine, authentic relationships in the church. We just can't. And I really wish there were more spaces for us to really hone in on personal development. Because mm. I really feel like there's such a big 
it's such a such a necessity for everybody but mm-hmm. i feel like when we talk about it it's such a fringe conversation like it's mm-hmm. it's 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 treated as unnecessary in, in in a lot of ways it's like you know that's not the class we need to have we need to have a class on the book of genesis is what we need to have right so right you know yeah yeah well i mean everybody needs to go to therapy basically <laughs> that's i agree what I'm here. i agree i agree <laughs> because I... that's that's the kind of personal growth and development that is is going to be necessary because when we talk about like why we have a hard time accepting who we are in our most raw authentic forms um i don't know if we're gonna get that in bible study right. but that right. growth and development will help you be able to get more out of bible study Without so question it's real they i think that they they really kind of go hand in hand it's it, it doesn't it's not one or the other and i think the conversations around like using other resources like therapy that conversation i think is is beginning to shift a bit but for the longest time and even in in some circles still it's seen as unnecessary and people um people in church settings are are shamed for uh for reaching out for that or for for needing that resource and i honestly have i've seen it changing recently and i'm seeing you know it's being more accepting and open of that which i think is is such a blessing but this conversation now that we're having i think is a perfect example of how the two work together and how it's not abandoning your faith by seeking professional help it is used in partnership with your faith to help you grow holistically as a person spiritually mentally and emotionally and that's what we need to show up as genuine i think have you ever told a black boomer or a gen xer that they should go to therapy <laughs> because i want to know how that conversation went i feel well, like we, we, have, we have to find we have to find sneaky ways to tell them that they need <laughs> therapy <laughs> We have to we have to lead them <laughs> to the conclusion that it might be helpful to talk to someone. <laughs> yeah, see, that's that's where I'm trying to. That's where that's where my I I, I faced an impasse. Mm-hmm. It's like I cannot tell because of course the majority of congregants at a church are older, but it's just like when you talk about there's as as much as we've been working on it, like you said, and as much as things mm-hmm. are improving, like we're at a place now socially where I believe that you know it's like. I don't even think there's a question about whether or not churches should offer some sort of mental health connection or mm-hmm. your services. Not that, you know, every church should have it by now, but it's just something that, you know, it's it's an absolute yes about mm-hmm. whether or not it should be a part of churches and ministries and functioning. I believe it's an absolute yes, but um, there's still so much surrounding what the objective of therapy is and honestly acknowledging the ways in which we need it and that's Mm -hmm. the journey that i'm like that i'm i'm terrified of looking down it's like Mm -hmm. what does it take for us to acknowledge that we need to talk to somebody or that we need to do some internal work because Mm -hmm. as much as we talk about spiritual things and the internal man it's so ironic that we spend so much energy talking about the internal man the heart love (laughs) grace compassion yeah, you should go to therapy. I don't need therapy. What you mean? So mm-hmm. you can learn how to work on your heart and your grace mm-hmm. and your compassion. Well, that's what I go to Bible class for. All right, we done with the conversation. 
can't really you know bridge that gap from there but it's like um there's just so much more space for that style of conversation because even our bible classes you know it's mm-hmm. like they're not geared towards in many cases personal assessment but it's just like listen the way you interpret the bible the way you sit down open the bible read it and apply it to your life that's mm-hmm. a product of the internal work that mm-hmm. you have or haven't done in yourself yeah. it's like you we aren't just picking up the same bible and reading it because we're all reading the same page no everything that we do in our lifestyle is a product of how we've processed internally and mm-hmm. to see that is something that i think has to be a part of the future of the church is making sure mm-hmm. that we understand how we process how we how we receive information how we respond to information how we respond to things like shame um, how mm-hmm. we respond to, to, to things like um, to family and, and, and community. Like we have to ask ourselves those questions socially so that they can be genuine. And I really, really hope that you, that, that, that the future generations of the church are in tune with that mm-hmm. because I feel like yeah. it will do so much. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And I, I think this, and it's not just, you know, in the church, but it's in the black community, you know, we need, we we have not uh, been open um and i think it's because the stigma that says if you go to therapy or if you need this type of help then something is wrong with you which don't make no sense because if you need any other kind of help it don't mean nothing's wrong with you like if you are wanting to grow or if you're wanting to fine-tune a particular skill you're going to take a class you're going to get a coach you're going to find an expert you're going to find someone to help you get to where you're trying to be and we have to adopt that same mindset when it comes to our own kind of personal growth and development. Doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It just means that this is the way that you want to grow right now. You know what we're going to have to do? We're going to have to rebrand. We're going to have to rebrand. We're going to have to rebrand. We're going to have to rebrand therapy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like if we like if say like we go through like a six week therapy series and I say I'm getting my degree in personal development. <laughs> Maybe that'll work because black folk we respond to degrees. Oh, you go yo, you you in school, you getting your education, you good. We know that. That's a part of the culture. It's like don't mess with them. They going to school, they getting their degree, they 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 getting that knowledge, that wisdom. We just gotta reframe therapy. Right. It's like I'm just going to talk to somebody so I can get my wisdom up, you know. So it's like, yeah, oh, okay, I got you, I got you, I got you. Yeah, go ahead, do your thing, do your thing, do your thing. But it's yeah, I'm I'm really glad, and I don't even want to go further because I feel like we have. Uh, I feel like at some point I want to talk about you know some of the barriers within culture in general, mm-hmm. not just in church, but in culture. Yeah, um, that yeah. would help us function better as people of God, uh, because mm-hmm. I think that now, especially when we look at the way the church is being received by black people uh especially since we're now more considerate of our history in america that mm-hmm. it's really you know it's, it's really a, you know creating a wedge between the culture and the church when in reality the black church has always been the center of the culture Absolutely. Um, and so it's like figuring that out is something i think that'll really help us but as for right now we um i mean I'm, I'm really glad for this conversation that we had honestly i can go for another hour uh, but right. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, we're going to uh, wind it up now. So uh, mm-hmm. before we close and before we do all that, uh, you got anything? Any 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 add on to that? Any any other points you want to bring out? Um, no, I think my encouragement to everyone would be to start to do some of that self assessment and um, and really take a look at your um, uh, your level of acceptance yeah. of who you are. 
and start there. Thank you. I will. <laughs> yes, you're welcome. Yeah. Excellent <laughs> advice. Excellent advice. The only thing I've, I've I've got to say is just be be encouraged. Yeah. And I want to leave that leave that vague for a reason because wherever you find the encouragement, you know, tap into it. But be encouraged. Um, mm-hmm. But for now, um, if you guys would go to God uh, with us as we pray again, let's together pray. Mm-hmm. Our Lord and our God, again, we come to you thanking you so much for the abundance of blessings that you have continuously poured on our lives. And we're asking right now that as we continue to make steps towards living out your will, that you give us the guidance that we need in order to um, not just stay on the straight and narrow, Father, but that we learn how to hold your hand as we take the steps. And so, Lord, we're asking that you bless our conversation, bless those who are going to be listening, bless all those who are still trying to work it out and figure out what it looks like to be genuine within their faith, Father. And, Lord, we ask that you continue to watch over and keep all the ministries that we have in Northside, Father, all the things that churches are doing across the country to help and to evangelize and to minister, Father. And, Lord, whatever it is you have planned for us, we ask that you lead us into it graciously as you always have. We ask that you bless us now and keep us in Jesus' name. We pray this prayer and all prayers. Amen. Amen. So again, you guys, thank you so, 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 so much for tuning in, for listening, for being an attentive audience. We hope you enjoy our conversation for today and we look forward to getting back with you next week. So may God bless you and may God keep you.